You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Hello, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now. My name is Kate Smith, and I'm your host today, along with Rita Vega. Rada and I are students of the Last Mass Center, Christina Pratt School for Shamanic Studies. In addition to a shamanic practitioner, Rada is a perfumer in New York City. And let me tell you about Kate Smith. Kate initially trained as a protein chemist. However, Kate has transformed her life. She is now the owner of a new company called Journey Smith. She works with spirit to create tools for shamanic practice. Working in the Scandinavian tradition, she handcrafts drums and rattles. Thanks, Rada. Today we decided to turn the tables on Christina so that she can be a guest on her own show and we can ask her all the questions we wished we had asked before we embarked on our own journey through her cycle of transformation. And so before we get into the meat of the show, um, I think Rada is going to call in spirit to join us here today. Rita? Yes, yes. Uh, we want spirit to guide us with their power and wisdom. I call out to the ancestral spirits, those who have gone before us who bring all that is true and good and beautiful in our ancestral line. I call on them to be with us, to guide us toward living our authentic truth so that we leave our descendants with fuller and richer lives. I call out to the earth who dreamed us into being to inspire us with her power of manifestation so that we may manifest our purpose in life. I call on the spirit of earth to nourish us, to demonstrate the interconnectedness of all things, to show us how everything we do affects everything else. I call out to the highest powers of the universe in the sky to shower us with the blessings so we may feel the protection and wisdom of the cosmos pouring into every cell of our body so we can open up to let the divine energy flow through us. And I call upon the power of the heart in all of us to be open and full and strong and clear so we are able to unite the passions of our body and heart with the clarity of our mind, to manifest our soul's purpose here on earth. I ask all the helping spirits to make this hour full of value and meaning for all who are participating in it. May what needs to be said be said, and may what needs to be heard be heard. We'd like to thank Indrek and all of the listeners who have donated to the show. If this show has been meaningful to you in any way, know that you are now able to donate to express that exchange of energy. To act on what has heart and meaning 
is the most fundamental of shamanic acts. Go to the show website, www.whyshamanismnow.com and click on support button. Every dollar goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And today's show is How Do I Find My Authentic Self? Featuring Christina Pratt. So I normally don't spend a lot of time with small children, but this New Year's Eve was the exception. I spent time with four young kids, and I was struck by how direct their connection is to their heart, their emotions, and their passion. Gosh, in the space of 10 minutes, there was an eruption of joy, tears, tantrums, and laughter. You know, we don't do that as adults. And we often lose that passionate sense of purpose and direct connection with our true selves. In our fast-paced, get-it-done society, we may not even have the energy to care about what truly aligns with our heart. The Last Mass Center offers a valid and effective path back to that authenticity, to our soul, and to its purpose for being here. Our show today will talk about what Soul Healing Last Mass Center offers for the individual, why these teachings work, and how our passionate expression of our soul's purpose is exactly the medicine the world needs at this time. We're live this week, so you're invited to call in at 512-772-1938. Alternatively, you can Skype from the Co-Creator Network site. That's co-creatornetwork.com. Or you can just email Christina directly at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And now we'll begin our interview of Christina. She is our guest. She is usually the host of the show, Why Shamanism Now? But we've turned the tables. Let me tell you a little bit about Christina. She's a shaman and a teacher. She is the director of the Last Mass Center for Shamanic Healing. Christina is also the author of the comprehensive books and um, an encyclopedia of shamanism. Christina has practiced shamanic healing for over 20 years. She is now located in Portland, Oregon, and is available for long-distance healing. I've been a student of Christina's for over 10 years. I began with a soul retrieval and then definitely decided I need to learn how to live a shamanic life. Christina teaches two tracks of classes about shamanic skills. The most basic are the life skills classes that developed from Christina's healing practice, helping people to live in a new, healthy way. This track begins again on January 20th in Portland. The second track of shamanic healing was designed for people like me who know that there is more to life than what is apparent. Christina teaches the cycle of transformation. It is for people who want to live shamanically, authentically, offering their unique gifts to the world in a passionate, wholehearted way. This track begins in April, and the second class begins again in July in 2012. To reach Christina, uh, go to her website for more information at www.lastmasscenter.org. Hi, Christina. It's great to have you on the show. Um, thank, thank you both. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really um, surprisingly moved. I hope I can do my job here today. It's um, 
it's quite something to have the tables turned. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) So, Christina, let's start with a name. Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Could you tell us how you came up with that and what Last Mask uh, really means? Well, um, in the very, very beginning, when I was in between having had my initiatory experience and learning skills and trying to figure out what was going on, I had a teacher who was very much of a coyote teacher and was pretty much confusing me further. And he was drilling me on what the name would be and what was I trying to do and why was I trying to do it and what was the point and and really um, challenging me. And when I finally sort of got it into a nutshell, he laughed at me, (laughs) not with me, at me, and said, you'll never figure out a name for that. He said, you need to create a name that will make people ask. And so Last Mass Center was the name that I eventually came up with on that um, trip with that teacher and the what it what it means is that I really believe and and this has been reinforced again and again by my experience with spirit that the fact of being human is the last mask that we wear before we reveal ourselves fully as spirit and that last mask, the idea of the cycle is to, t- is to shed all the other masks that we wear, the good parent, the happy wife, the good father, uh, or, you know, the bad boy, the naughty girl, you know, whatever it is, all of these masks we wear to hide our authenticity. And that we would shed these masks, the shadow masks, all, these, all the stories, everything that we carry that is actually inauthentic to the truth of who we are. And that we would simply be in the world, manifest as human, wearing that one final mask, the mask of our humanity, as a way then to express our spirit in the world. And so he was probably right. There probably wasn't any way to come up with a name that would express all of that. (laughs) But you did find out one that makes us ask. (laughs) Yes, but I found one that makes people ask. It's also very hard to say and, you know... (laughs) And never works on forms. But anyway, that was the point, really, is that our, our goal through the cycle teachings is to live from that place of that last and final mask in our fullest humanity, but without covering ourselves in any other way, just being truly authentic and radiating our spirit out. In, in spiritual traditions, it's called transparency. But the transparent center didn't really make much more sense either. So, <laughs> No. <laughs> Christina, does the logo for Last Mass Center support that or develop that? Well, it's funny. Every once in a while I get emails from people saying, we've researched your logo and we can't find it anywhere. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> I think, well, that's because it doesn't exist anywhere. I didn't, I didn't take it from anywhere. On that same trip that I was being um, grilled about the name, I was also asking for an image from Spirit that would um, help me understand what what the whole what the work was about because at that point in time i didn't have all the cycles all the four years of training you know organized yet so it was all just a big uh burden and mystery you know here do this what is it we're not telling you (laughs) it was just a very complex confusing challenging time and i was in the canyon lands which is an exquisite place in North America to be. I'm watching lots of 
um, lightning storms and being with a lot of lightning struck trees and, and, and asking for dreams at night out there on the land. And the image of the spiral, which means everything that's always meant to humanity, going deeply within and transforming and all, all that's associated with that archetypally. And then the lightning was the idea that the transformation could be instantaneous so that we are going not only deeply into the transformation, but with the shamanic skills, we are allowing certain kinds of transformation to be relative to us almost instantaneous versus spending our whole life exploring this, that we want the life to be free to explore the soul's purpose. And so the transformations that need to happen to get us to a place where we're living our soul's purpose could happen instantaneously. So it's the merging of this, the spiral of the deep transformation and the lightning of that instantaneous change. Thank you. You know, I have to admit, I didn't even know which one was the logo. I had to go back to your website to look it up. So I think now that I know, I need to make t-shirts for everybody. Yay. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So, Christina, on your website, it says that the teachings of the Last Mass Center are, and I quote, authentic, non-traditional shamanism. So that's obviously referring to your cycle of transformation. So what does that mean? What is it exactly? How did it evolve? Well, it took me actually a really long time to come around to this. And people that understand the sort of the landscape of contemporary shamanism would kind of understand the politics around that. But there is a deep question in in each of us, and there should be in each of us, when we feel a call to shamanism that is outside of the shamanic tradition. And, you know, am I being called just because I need shamanic healing to do my own healing or am I being called into practice? Am I being called into actually becoming a shamanic healer? And I think the majority of people called to study shamanism are being called for their own healing and transformation, that they're not really being called into a traditional shamanic practice doing shamanic healing. They might be called to be healers. Anyway, it's, it's, it's complex today and it's confusing today and it's a challenge today uh, to understand um, what all of this means inside and outside of traditions. At the same time, the other side of the political landscape is, are we playing at being Indians? Are we, are we appropriating other people's rituals and practices? And, you know, how do the spirits of the land here feel when you import practices from other lands? I mean, I've had some very interesting experiences of people standing in the midst of the amazing mountains in, here in, in the Pacific Northwest, these incredible volcanic mountains, and the mountains themselves are being utterly ignored as people are calling in the mountains from Peru. And it's fine to call in the mountains for Peru, but you might want to call in the mountains you're standing by. And so it's just so incredibly confusing for contemporary practitioners. And it took me a long time to sort out that the teachings do not come expressly or in any unbroken way down any lineage. And thus they are non-traditional. I'm not claiming any of the indigenous people that I've worked with that I'm teaching what they practice. So it's non-traditional and I'm willing to admit that even though that makes it much harder to market. It's much easier to market yourself as a shamanic practitioner if you can claim some sort of indigenous origins. And I have simply not done that because the truth is these teachings are non are non-traditional. 
But the other side of it is I received these teachings as every other shaman has at any time on the planet now or in the past directly from my helping spirits and the helping spirits and the people who have done the teachings with me over the years, they have shaped into an entire cosmology and a set of teachings, which are now, you know, invested in the community and shape the way we would live together as a community. That's what a shamanic cosmology does. That's what a traditional set of shamanic teachings does. And it came authentically through the shamans, from the spirits, through the shamans, to the people. Um, you know, where did all of these traditions come from? Everybody's so hot to go learn through a person who was a shaman who was willing to talk to the spirits and bring it through and work with it and work with the people. Do these teachings work? Did I understand the spirits? I obviously didn't understand the spirits. This didn't work very well. Let me go back and ask again. Let's try this way. Let's try that. You know, and, and there is a certain amount of trial and error in well, there's a huge amount of trial and error working with spirit let's be honest <laughs> it's enormous and so so the point though is that's authenticity in shamanism not who initiated you and how many different indigenous lines you can claim or how many years you spent training somewhere it's how many years have you spent listening to your spirit help and doing what your spirit help is guiding you to do authentically. And how in that are you bringing out your authenticity, your uniqueness? Because the truth is, in traditional shamanism, shamans themselves express their own uniqueness within that tradition. There wasn't a, this, this sense we have now that you have to do it exactly like the guy before you or the gal before you. My, my mother experienced a, had a beautiful experience in South Africa with um, Sangoma women talking about how, you know, this is the core of our training and it's the same for all of us, you know, but I divine with clouds and I divine with stones and I divine, you know, and, and each, each Sangoma and they all equally respected each other. Each Sangoma spoke of what was unique about their practice, how their authenticity emerged in their traditional shamanism. So back to the authentic so it's authentic because it is coming the way every single traditional shamanic practice has come from the spirits through the shaman to the people and then the people experience it we see what works trial and error feedback loop you know we figure it out we figure out what the cosmology is and yet at the same time i'm not going to claim some kind of traditional connection just to make it market better because it's not traditional and so so there. So, so that's what we have is, you know, will, a willingness to start again because every tradition started somewhere with nothing but a bunch of people and a whole bunch of spirit and the shamans willing to start to ask the questions and figure out how to help the people. I mean, that's how it all began. So, so I'm hoping in time, Christina, that eventually it, it's not going to be called non-traditional as we carry on the tradition. Um, We'll be establishing our lineage. That would be beautiful. I'm actually very moved today that we're even doing this just because, you know, visions of that are dancing in my head. Mm. <laughs> and we're trying to make them a reality. Mm -hmm. yeah. But Christina, today, um, in the world today, that's got all these contemporary pulls and and um, and, and uh, things in lives, granted, lives aren't working very well. But why would people bother to start looking at shamanism 
as something that could transform their life, and specifically uh, the cycle of transformation. Well, I think one of the main things is exactly what you said. You know, right now, most of us don't feel like we need one more thing to do. <laughs> so right. Most of us need about 10 less things to do. And so the idea of embarking on any course of training, be it yoga or Qigong or Buddhism or shamanism or whatever, should be taken very, undertaken very seriously because we're all overbooked, overscheduled, over everything. And so I think that's the first thing is any, any consideration into any kind of training should be taken to heart, really taken to heart and to know this is the path that I need to walk. And then... The next thing, now granted this is a shamanic idea, but then the next thing I think someone would need to do is to look at their life and say, and what will I let go of? What will I stop doing so that I can recycle that energy to be able to focus now on this commitment? And I think that's the first thing anybody would need to do to even begin to think about anything. But once you decide to embark on, let's say, shamanism, you know, how would you pick a path and why would you pick the cycle? And the thing that is um, unique about the cycle of transformation, especially for our time, is that it is a cosmology for our time. That we are not taking old ways that were perfect for a particular time and place 300 years ago and trying to, to apply them today. But we're actually receiving and learning a set of teachings and a cosmology that is coming through today, for today, for all of the challenges of today, but also with an interface with all of the gifts that we have today. We have um, amazing new technologies in our collective consciousness today that were not shared collectively. It's not that... Different people didn't have insights into psychology or nonviolent communication or some of the um, awarenesses that we are coming back around to today. Um, but now they're really invested into the populace. And so these are great riches and great resources and, and interface then with the shamanic teachings that we have access to the world's deep, beautiful philosophies like Taoism and things like this. There's a multicultural diversity available to us, which was not necessarily available to in traditional teachings. And these are the riches of our time. And so the beauty of the cycle, I feel very passionately about this, so I'm being very moved by this, but the beauty of the cycle is it allows us to engage functionally, traditionally, shamanically, and to incorporate the great riches of our time and to use the riches of our time to remedy the horrible problems of our time. It, it is a shamanism of this time, yet deeply rooted in the functions of a true shamanic cosmology. So the rituals work, in other words. They're not perfunctory. They're not codified. We're not playing at being anything. The rituals work for contemporary people today in a contemporary life. So, so yes, to embark on any teaching today is a challenge financially, time, resources, everything. And yet, 
I have never seen someone who wanted, who knew that the cycle training, but also other teachings, but knew the teachings were right for them, that they couldn't find what they could recycle in their life, what they could let go of in their life for the period of time of the training. So, so, so the resources can be found to go forward if the path is correct. But the reason this path is so important at this time, why this shamanism and not another, is because it is for our time in a way that no other traditional teaching can be. And I say that with deep respect and love in my heart for all the traditional teachings. I mean, there is nothing more fun than going off to an exotic country and experiencing their shamanism. It is an, it's an incredible experience that I've done myself many times. And power is lost in the translation, trying to bring that back into our contemporary life, the very life that Rada described. And the cycle, there's nothing lost in the translation because there is no translation. You're learning it in your first language um, and you're being held accountable to the details because we share the language. You know, it's very easy to go, well, I don't really know what the shaman did, so I don't really know how to follow up. I didn't really quite understand those teachings because it was being translated from Quechua to Spanish to English. I didn't quite get it, right? You don't get out that back door in the cycle. That our feet are held to the fire because it is a, a cosmology that embraces us as we are today. And the richness and the diversity and the power that is present today. And to draw that in as medicine to be the remedy for the horrible epidemic we face today, which would be lack of initiation from childhood to adulthood, the dead wandering around here with the living because they haven't crossed over, epidemic levels of soul loss. I mean, these are huge challenges that frankly, our shamanic ancestors didn't have to face. And so we, we need a shamanism that it, that it can be applied to the challenges we have today. And that, so for me, that's why the cycle why the cycle now because it's for us now and it draws on our riches makes us accountable for having those riches for opening to that diversity for using it and it gives us the responsibility as the living to make that medicine for our time to draw on the power of the ancestors to support us but to do what we've come here to do and to not opt out, but to opt in authentically to do what we've come here to do and open the way for those who are coming instead of dumping on them a world that is falling apart. So, I don't know, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Good reason. So, Christina, Um, I want to just take one one step um, backwards. Whenever I explain um, a little bit about... um, the last mass center, I mentioned a cosmology and I see in people's eyes, their eyes kind of glaze over. So maybe <laughs> you could just explain exactly what do you mean by cosmology? So we're all on the same page. That is an excellent question. And, and it, is, it is really actually a source of, of our soul illnessness in, in, our con, in, in America, at least in our contemporary time in most Western cultures, because people have a cosmology and they don't know it. Exactly. It's sort of like under the radar. People have heard Mm -hmm. the word. They know it's an English word. Mm -hmm. And then that's really about it. It's not in their daily communication. 
right? And and often people have a cosmology they they have fallen away from. So people will say, "I'm a recovering whatever," you know, "I'm a recovering Catholic," or "I'm a recovering whatever," you know. And they and people don't understand that their uh, religion that they were taught as a child or the lack of it shapes their cosmology. So I I um. I have a, a group, a, a growing group of young people in their early 20s. I've never actually seen this before, but it's, it's, it's a growing – it's not just an individual. It's several who were raised by cool and groovy parents that, that gave them every opportunity to pick whatever spirituality they wanted as a kid. But nothing was shaped for them. It was like complete abundance. Right, but nothing was shaped for them, and they're arriving in their early twenties. They're deeply committed to nature, to, you know, to the environment, to all the right things, right? To to creating a world that is that they want their children to inherit, but they have no way to interface with spirit because their culture and their parents weren't aligned in what our responsibility is or what a relationship even is with spirit. And so, so there's, there's cosmologies people don't know they have. There's cosmologies they think they've thrown away. And there's the, the anti-cosmology, which really screws up how our energy works in the world. So that's the essence of a cosmology. Who am I as an energy being? And what is this energy world I'm plugged into or, or not plugged in? And, and how do I get plugged in? You know, what is the true nature of this physical existence? That's, that, those are the kinds of questions a cosmology answers for us. And so a cosmology begins with the stories of the beginning. How did anything get here? So in many um, like North American traditions, they talk about the worlds. I mean, depending on who you talk to, we're either in a fourth world or a fifth world. And similarly with the Mayan calendar, that there's sense that there's been this evolution over time. And it explains the story of how we got here today, how humanity came to understand themselves as energy beings in an energy world. And the implications from that of what are the practices that we need to engage in every day to be a healthy human, to be in good relationship with our environment good relationship with the spirit world, with each other as embodied spirit and with um, the ancestors so that we can be doing what needs to be done for those who are coming and understanding this whole cycling of energy. So a cosmology, so for example, the Christian cosmology, and this is oversimplifying, but it says basically this is it. It's It's a straight line cosmology. You're born depending on which version of Christianity you're involved in, you're either screwed from the beginning because you're just sinful and there's, you've got no hope. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or some other versions of Christianity where there's possibility for redemption. But the point is it's a straight line. You're born, you live your life. It adds up to whatever it adds up to at the end. And then you die and you either go to heaven or to hell. It's a straight line cosmology. Other cosmologies from other spiritualities create different shapes Many indigenous, most indigenous cosmologies, shamanic cosmologies are circular. That there's all, that everything moves in a circle. Now, granted, we see it in the seasons around us, but, but cosmologies are about the energy that's going on underneath everything. Right, what's really moving things? What are the real energies? I say that all the time. So what are the real energies? 
so really, I'm an energy bucket. So are you. You know, how do I then function if I'm really just an energy bucket? I'm not really the sum total of my drama with my family of origin. I'm actually an energy bucket. (laughs) Those are two very different lives. And so the cosmology that people live in in America mostly is fallen away in some way from some sort of vague religious beginning. And then some fork in the road later on in life when you realize, oh, crap, that's not good enough, which is either to, to become fundamental in some religious teaching to try to get a cosmology or to go into the cultural cosmology, which has to do with consuming an addiction. You know, if I just keep doing more of what didn't work yesterday, it'll work today. Because <laughs> more is always better in America. Right. <laughs> but that, that sense of if I just do bigger, faster, harder. You know, but, but these are cosmologies. The problem is they're really crappy cosmologies because they don't actually have anything to do with what's really going on energetically. And that, to me, is the beauty of the indigenous teachings around the world is at least those early cosmologies. And I would say Taoism in particular as a, as a, as a somewhat more recent cosmology draws from the deep real energies, the paradox of our, of our um, energetic reality, which is being described for us by the scientists right now, bless their hearts, they're doing the math. But, but there is a reality here. And a cosmology describes that reality for you, usually in metaphor, so we can grasp it, and helps us understand how to be here in, that, in the world in a good way. And so cosmology, or the lack thereof, is hugely important in our life. And I want to be honest about the fact that when I came into shamanism, I didn't believe any of this. And that's really important to understand is I came into shamanism as an individual person without a community, having a spontaneous initiation experience by myself in Manhattan, for God's sakes. And and the teachings came through my individual relationship with my helping spirits and the students that came to be part of that at the time. I had no idea the importance of the cosmology and the cosmology emerged from the teachings as we as a bunch of naive, totally spiritually naive humans, but with skills to journey and ask and to dance and all the other ways we connected with spirit, asked how to live in a good way, how to live authentically, how to bring our soul's purpose in the world, the cosmology emerged because it's necessary. And so I'm a complete cosmology convert. (laughs) I came into this whole thing very much, I mean, I love being an American. I love freedom. I love rights. I mean, I am totally an American, right? I don't want anybody telling me what to do, right? And so I came into this going, ah, I don't need any of that crap. Well, guess what? <laughs> I'm a complete convert. I really understand that if we are going to track with the real energies here and do what really needs to be done in life, we as humans need a cosmology. In other words, my little bucket needs to be in a great big bucket. (laughs) I need to understand that bigger system and how I fit into it or else life keeps happening to me and just confusing me. And I just keep feeling like I get the crap beat out of me. And I keep thinking I'm doing as working as hard, fast as I possibly can, right? And it doesn't change and it doesn't get any better and it just keeps falling apart and I'm still addicted to whatever. I mean, that's partly because people don't have a cosmology, 
to understand, because I bounce off. In other words, I get into my extremes now, and I hit the wall of the cosmology, which is truth, and I bounce back to my center. Whereas before, I'd go off and just keep going, <laughs> you know, so far from my center, you know, you couldn't even see it anymore because there was nothing to stop me because I had no cosmology. Yeah, so it kind of provides almost like an, an energetic map exactly. where we can still be an individual, but we can find our way through. Yes. yes. We can understand boundaries, um, places where chaos is necessary. Um, yeah. And you get full of shit faster. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I mean, you get, oh my God, I'm lying to myself. I'm completely caught up in a story. I left my center back three months ago. Who the hell is this person I almost married? You know <laughs> I mean, we figure that out before we're in Vegas having a quickie marriage. I mean, the cosmology, we run into it before we're so far off center. We go, oh, right. I just ran into the warrior. I must be in need of warriorship at this time. Oh, right. I just ran into, you know, the teacher. There is some teaching here I either need to pull out or I need to listen to. You know, I mean, you run into something that stops you from your insanity and puts you back in center and gives you an idea of what to journey about. And that for me is why upper world, middle world, lower world is not a complete cosmology. While it is certainly common in many shamanic cosmologies, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's kind of like saying, you know, someone wants to get to Chicago and you go, well, yeah, that's planet earth and it's got land and water on it. Well, that still doesn't help me get to Chicago. (laughs) So it's a map, like you said. It's not just just vague regions. Not vague. It's not just big regions. It's a map for how you move in the regions and a map for how to be a better human. And that's the most important thing for us since we're human. Yeah. And Christina, you mentioned warrior and um, another part of of our cosmology. How does that fit into um, bouncing us back? And, and does this have, I, I know it does have a uh, part of the cycle of transformation. So how, do the, how does that work together? Well, the cycle of transformation as a um, set of teachings moves through four realms. Each year, each of the four years, each year explores a realm. And each realm is a realm of the cosmology. So when you've done all four years, you've moved through the full cosmology. And the cosmology, you know, because we're assuming coming in, everybody has helping spirits. The cosmology doesn't define who your helping spirits are. You have your own helping spirits, whomever they are. And they assist you within the cosmology. So the cosmology is kind of like the larger map. And the, um, the energies that hold the shape of the cosmology are the same energies that hold the shape of our universe, of our, as we experience a physically manifest universe. They're the same archetypal energies that hold that universe together. But by naming them as archetypal beings, um, we have someone to go talk to. Like talking to the entire universe is challenging. Most of us yeah. don't do it very well. We like faces. We like someone. We like to know who we're going to go. You know, we like an address and a face and who we're going to meet there. It works better for us until we're in a much more evolved state of spiritual 
awakeness, spiritual you know, enlightenment, and spiritual maturity. I mean, there are people, they get to a place where they talk to the universe as a whole just fine, but there aren't very many of them. Anyway, cosmology. So, so, the, so the cycle cosmology, the main uh, are, um, energies are archetypal energies because those are, of course, the energy patterns that our universe is moving in. And so for us in the cycle, it's the warrior and the visionary and the healer and the teacher leader. So there's a lot of energy, archetypal energy in that particular realm, teacher leader realm. And that we, we um, each year and the understanding of one archetype gives us the ability then to open up to and understand the next. And so they're in a very logical, natural, human, logical progression through the archetypes. Now, these archetypes are very similar to other shamanic cosmologies. They're not taken from them, but it is very similar. It's, we're not like off in left field barking up some brand new tree. I mean, these are very traditional um, archetypal energies found in shamanic cosmologies. What we haven't done is given them names and made them gods and goddesses or made them deities and created stories about them. Um, And part of the reason for that, um, well, the reason for that is because that's what spirit presented. That's the main reason. My understanding as the person who's been delivering these teachings for 20 years is the reason for that is the deities in, at this time on the planet, we got more deities than we know what to do with and they've all got baggage. And that, (laughs) (laughs) and raped whomever and you know blah 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 right there's all this baggage with all of these deities bless their beautiful stories and the myth that comes from them but there's baggage and we are at a time where we all must like today see through our own baggage and if all we've got is a bunch of deities that have got baggage too it's not helping and so what the spirits have clarified to me about why And this is part of the challenge of the cycle. The cycle is not easy. The challenge of the cycle is that we are going to true code, to put it in computer language. We are are working with the archetypal energies simply as pure archetypal code and not dressing them up with um, gods and goddesses and stories and history, but going back to the source code. And and that that is a theme throughout the whole cycle. And partly that's because it's been a theme in my healing practice that the spirits offered up to me. And I've talked about this before on the show. Every single person has a part of themselves that is connected to the source, the capital S source. So if we are connected to the source, we are certainly capable of being connected to the source of mother energy, father energy, true yin, true yang, the child, the sage, the warrior, the visionary the teacher, the healer, that these, these energies are available to us. And so the cycle then moves us in a, in a logical developmental progression for our own waking up and growing up through these arch- archetypal realms to get this whole story, a whole picture of our universe and our place within it. So then, Christina, could you explain um, for the uninitiated exactly the steps in the cycle of transformation and what are the teachings in each step? <sighs> um, <laughs> in a Reader's in Digest version, or less. In, yeah. <laughs> 25 words or less. Right. Or less. Okay. So in year one, we start in the healer. 
And what Spirit explained to me is the reason we start in the healer is because most of us wake up in our life and go, crap, I have to heal this. <laughs> you know, it's like something's wrong, either physically or psychoemotionally. We wake up and realize this must be fixed. In other words, I cannot do this another day. I cannot be in this relationship another day. I cannot deal with this illness another day. I cannot work in this job another day. This feeling of I cannot do this another day, it must be healed. And well, fixed is usually what we think, but the point is it needs to be healed. And so we wake up in the realm of the healer. And in the cycle, mainly what we do in the first year actually is learn the whole skill set, which we'll then use in more and more interesting and, and involved ways as we go through all of the years. So what we're learning in the realm of the healer are the basic skills of living a shamanic life, not being a shamanic healer, but living a shamanic life. Because the essence energy the healer offers us or connects us to is our own innate wisdom about health which comes through our body. So it's like capital H health. It's the thing that, that is driving your body to heal all the time. Our job is just to figure out how to get out of the way. You know, we have, we have no idea how to make the body heal. It just does it. The most successful medicines that we found in all of our different ways just help the body do it, what it already does naturally. And so what the healer year is doing for us is giving us the skills, shamanic skills and personal development skills to get out of the way, to get out of our own way and allow our own innate healing wisdom to begin to guide us in our life. And so that's the year of the healer. So the the workshop is called Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self because the work of that year is stripping away the masks we already know don't serve us and reawakening our authentic self. There's a a ritual of awakening and a vow made to the authentic self that you will not forsake that energy again in this lifetime for any reason. And so that year is about the healer. It's about innate energy of health, about awakening your own authenticity again and learning and practicing the skills any human needs to live authentically. So that's year one. So year two, we move then with the skill of our own healing, we can move into warriorship because the only way we can, anyone can move re, uh, authentically, truly into warriorship is if they can trust their own ability to heal. Because if you're moving into warriorship, you're going to get hurt and you're going to hurt others. That's part of an understanding about warriorship. You can't just tiptoe around on eggshells and be a warrior. But to do that, you must trust the innate healing energy in yourself and others. And so this is, um, sorry, telephone in the background distracting me. So the second year is about warriorship. Now, the importance of bringing up the warriorship in the second year is the shadow. So the second year is about learning shamanic skills to know when what's coming up is shadow energy and how to transform that. And the power of that transformation is the transformation through love. And so the transforming power of the healer is the transformation through death. The transforming power of the warrior is the transformation through love. And so the second year is about um, addressing our shadow work and addressing um, the power of the warrior and transformation through love. Um, So then the third year is the year of the teacher leader. And the reason this goes that way is because from a shamanic perspective – Um, It takes warriorship 
an action in the world to gain wisdom enough to have anything to teach. And so the teacher energy is about connecting with uh, the innate energy we connect with, with the teacher is the innate sovereignty of our life. And so if we're going to be a being of power and the right use of will, which is the warrior energy, we need to stand in our own sovereign place. And so the third year is about teacher, leader, sovereign. And in your own life, it's about how do you now use the skills you've gained in the first two years to begin to divest yourself of all stories that tell you anything about yourself other than the fact that you are sovereign, you are divine, and you are here to do something that is unique and authentic to only you, and that's what you need to be spending your life doing. So any other story you got along the way, we begin to divest ourselves of those stories with the power not only of our own innate sovereignty, but our understanding of our own divine right to stand there. And so the third year is also about connecting with divinity and, and resolving um, our relationships with um, our, our unresolved religious relationships around that energy. Um, this isn't sounding very fun, but it is actually really fun. <laughs> <laughs> And partly that's because I'm not talking about how we're doing that, which is involving journeying and dancing and art and song and coming together in ritual, coming together in ceremony um, and lots of celebration and lots of joy and lots of deep, deep, hard work transformationally, but to doing it, but doing it together. And even personal transformation um, is made easier um, in community. So anyway, so that was year three. So year four is the visionary year. And the important thing about the fourth year is we are learning about our own truth, you know, our own alignment. We've, we spent three years basically aligning with our authentic self. So it's about truth. It's about where we are still lying to ourself. It's about how our unresolved energy of our ancestors is, um, problematic in our ability to see the truth and ultimately understanding now that I understand the truth of who I am and my, and what I am doing here, I also understand my responsibility as a dreamer. And so it's also about learning the shamanic skills to connect with the dreaming that is dreaming reality. Um, it's actually a lot in four years, but, um, the other thing that's important about the fourth year, the, the, work, the main workshop is called Laying the Bones to Rest because the fourth workshop is about um, learning the skills to resolve the unresolved energies of our own ancestors and to clear the way for us to live our soul's purpose, but that also clears the way for our descendants well, and frankly, anyone else living in our family line. But, but the point is after we learn the basic skill set in year one, in year two, we're learning to use it to deal with shadow energies. In year three, we're learning uh, to do it to deal with our power and to be able to focus passionately on the process without attachment to the outcome. So to move in life um, as, a, as a powerful manifesting human but from spiritual directive. 
And then in the fourth year, we're using that skill base to learn to do two things, two very important things, actually. One is to resolve the unresolved energy of the ancestors and to learn to be a conscious dreamer again and to connect into the dreaming energy, to know what our responsibility is as people dreaming reality into existence and to do that in a good way. So those are the four years. My personal belief is it's the minimum understanding necessary to live in the world in a good way, but I'm sure some would argue with me about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, Christine, if someone is considering entering the first workshop, the cycle of which is Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self, is there a question that they should be asking themselves, the most important thing they should consider? If I knew I was dying tomorrow... Am I living the life I would live today if I knew this was the last day on earth for me? And if the answer isn't a resounding yes, then it really is the place for people to go. Because if you would even ask yourself that question, you're already the kind of person that would want to do the cycle. (laughs) And if you don't have a yes to that question, then you need to do the cycle to be able to find a way to realign yourself with your own authenticity. Another way to say it would just be, are you doing what you came here to do? You know, are, are your resources going to your unique genius in life? And are you enjoying that? Are you doing that in a good way? And if that answer is not a resounding yes, then that would be the reason to do it. Because there isn't any other reason for us to be here. And so if we're not getting a resounding yes when we ask that kind of question, then that would be a reason to enter in. You guys might have a different answer to that question since you did enter in, but that's how I see it. Now, I'm sure this is on everybody's mind. Do you actually make a mask? (laughs) We actually make a whole bunch of masks. Let's Um, get to the important things. (laughs) Yeah. We actually make a whole bunch of masks. One of the uh, really important um, skills in shamanism, you know, most people don't really know what the skills of shamanism are because our training in America is so focused on you learn to journey and then you learn the healing forms and off you go. And what is utterly missed in that is really the rest of what it means to live a shamanic life. What has to do with ritual and ceremony, power objects, dancing, singing, all of the artistic expression in life, how we work with the elements, how we work with altars, work with shrines, all of this stuff that is part of a shamanic culture and a shamanic life. And so that's the other thing that we're doing in this four years is we're doing all of that. I mean, no, you're not learning the shamanic healing forms. Frankly, they're really easy to teach, especially if someone actually already understands how to live shamanically. And why would you teach shamanic healing forms for someone who's not living shamanically? Anyway, back to your question, masks. (laughs) A little soapbox there. Masks. So making the mask is one of the great arts of shamanism, which is to make power objects, to make an object of power. And most people think, oh, you mean like a rattle or a drum? Well, those are lovely power objects, but that's not what I mean. What I mean is, for example, there's a people up here in the, up in the Pacific Northwest, up into Canada that make masks and they have a particular ritual they do, I think annually, but maybe more than annually, maybe when they need it. And people will spend months crafting these incredible masks out of wood and feathers and paint. You know, they're gorgeous, gorgeous, amazing masks that are the energy in their life or for their people that they want spirits help removing. 
And they gather from all over for this ritual. And the ritual is, is essentially burning these masks. And people have tried to stop them from burning these masks all the time because they want to buy the masks. You know, they're incredible um, examples of um, indigenous art. But the people are saying, these are power objects. This isn't a piece of art. This is a power object. And yes, it's beautifully crafted. And I put a lot of energy in this because this is my offering. This is what I want to give to the fire so that I can be transformed and so that I can help my people transform. And so this is, this is uh, one of two ways that we use masks. We make a whole bunch of masks. So one of the kinds of masks we make, I consider working masks in that they're masks that we're going to use in ritual and use in ceremony to move a process along. And we make a whole bunch of those masks, but they're usually destroyed in the process one way or another. We make another bunch of masks for, and these are more um, power objects in the more common sense in that this is the power object, like a mask of my helping spirit. So this is, I put on this mask and I dance my helping spirit and I develop my relationship with my helping spirit. We make a mask of the authentic self. We make a mask of... um, the divine self, so we're, we, our, our ancestors. So we do make masks of the spirit help that we're wanting to call in. So there's two kinds of masks that we make. We make a bunch of masks. Some are working masks and some are um, helping spirit masks, basically, which we would keep potentially for the rest of our lives to work with. Yeah, we're running out of time. No, it's <clears throat> I wish we could continue. Maybe we can sometimes. But we want to thank you, Christina, for being our guest today on your show. Well, <laughs> thank you. How, how can everyone get information for you about the retreats or healing? So the, this first workshop, Mass of Illusion, that we were talking about a little bit today, which is really focused on connecting with your authenticity, is being offered in a very low-cost version. It's very stripped down. There's no retreat center. There's nobody cooking for you, none of that fancy stuff. It's just the teachings. And it's here in Portland. It's local. It's three, three, we meet three three-day weekends. The first weekend is in April. And so if you are interested in that, you need to register now. And you can register through the Last Mask Center website. It's lastmaskcenter.org. Go to April in the calendar. That's the month that it starts. Scroll down to the class. Click the register button. It's easy. Um, and that's very inexpensive. The, I also strongly recommend getting away from your everyday life, going to a retreat center, letting your daily needs be taken care of so that you can completely focus on these teachings, which is a wonderful way to immerse yourself and learn. And it's a great gift to give to yourself. And so we are also offering that retreat-based version of the same teachings. That retreat is in July, but do not wait to register because we, it needs to fill for it to run. So you can go to lastmasscenter.org to the July part of the calendar and register there. And you can well, get to any other information you need from the website as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Christina. I've already sent in my deposit for my next retreat, and I encourage everyone who has any inkling this might be for them to, to do the same. So in close, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Large or small, each donation is deeply appreciated and helps keep the show on the air. I'd like to thank the Last Mass community for supporting the show, particularly Simbi, Maria, Martin, Chris, Renata, Daniel, and Pauline, and all the contributors who have made this show possible. I want to give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around and supporting us so beautifully here today. 
for the earth below, cradling us, for the sky above, sheltering us. And finally, I want to thank the energy of the heart that unites us all. Next week, Christina and her guest, Philip Scott, will discuss bringing old ways of community and leadership into contemporary times. I'll hope you all join us next week for that show. The shows are available on the website, whyshamanismnow.com, and on iTunes through the iTunes store. To schedule long-distance healings and find information about classes, go to www.lastmasscenter.org. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening.